2: So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com slash people today. Welcome in to Daily Faceoff Live, your go-to source for everything hockey. Live every weekday at noon Eastern.
0: Welcome into a Tuesday edition of Daily Face-Off Live. I'm Tyler Urumchuk. He is our Daily Face-Off hockey insider, Frank Saravali. The show is streaming live on the Daily Face-Off YouTube, where we are less than 80 subscribers away from hitting 10,000. What will we do when we hit 10,000? I don't know. Find out. Hit the subscribe button. The show is brought to you by Batano. The game starts now at batano.ca. Frank, what will we do when we hit 10K?
3: (laughs) Can we remind everyone what you said you would do once you hit 30K on the Oilers Nation one?
0: Absolutely not.
3: <laughs> he said he's going to ha- he's going to do a boudoir shoot.
0: Yeah, yeah. I've made some regrettable decisions in my life. That ranks up there. Um, anyway,
3: any prick, no one wants to see that.
0: No, they don't. Which is probably why the channel at Oilers Nation isn't growing up to thirty k right now. Anyways, uh, we got a lot to get to today. Sat Shaw is gonna swing by. In a little bit, he's from Sportsnet 650. He's going to talk a bit about tonight's debut of Elias Lindholm with the Canucks. Got a lot to get to, Frank, but let's first start with a story that once again dominated the headlines yesterday, and rightfully so. London police hold a news conference in London, Ontario, to talk more about the investigation into the players involved from the incident that stemmed from the 2018 World Junior team. And we had a great piece, or you had a great piece up at dailyfaceoff.com with some just sort of frequently asked questions, really kind of bluntly breaking down everything you need to know about this. And I want to dig into it a bit. First, a lot of people were wondering about the extra charge given to Michael McLeod in this thing. How significant is that? And can you maybe explain where that stems from?
3: Well, it's not entirely clear yet how significant it will end up being. London police said on Monday that he received one charge for sexual assault for his own doing. And that's the same charge that the other four NHL players and former NHL players um, received. But then he received one additional count, which they described for aiding. Now we don't have any details on what that means or how significant that will be because it will also determine how the court process plays out. If found guilty, it could be an additional uh, you know, amount of time served, that additional charge could be worth up to 10 years in prison. However, the the charge if found guilty could also be served concurrently. So um still so much to be figured out here. And I think really the big thing that we learned is we didn't learn anything on Monday. They couldn't share any details. They couldn't provide what we would call narrative. And for those of you who are you know from the US and or watching and and have a good idea of how the legal system works if charges are filed there's a police report that's released in the US if it's an indictment you you explain how you arrived at this point if you are the police department or the district attorney whatever it might be we we've gotten no information from the London police service who are essentially saying hey we investigated this back in 2018 19 we're now laying charges after reopening this investigation in 2022. And we can't tell you why, but you're going to have to trust us as to the details that we've uncovered between now and then.
0: The other thing that people are kind of really interested to know is what are we getting next? And also is there like a rough timeline for how things will proceed over the next honestly couple of years?
3: Well, it's up to the court to decide and really uh, those who stand accused have the right to a a trial to be held reasonably quickly and reasonable in the eyes of the law is 30 months in Canada. So um, legal experts who are, you know, they see Ontario courts dealing with a backlog of cases as a result of the pandemic. They see the earliest this being heard is late 2025, potentially into 2026. So we're talking about you know, upwards of two years from now, seeing potentially a resolution in this case one way or the other. And in between, really what Monday kicked off with the first hearing in court for these five players who have been charged is the beginning of the disclosure process where the government and the London Police Service have to turn over all of the evidence that they have, including text messages, videos, and, you know, any evidence that they've gathered from testimony here. Uh, from witnesses over to those attorneys that represent the five players. So the disclosure process has now begun or is expected to begin once that information is delivered by carrier. And then the next hearing is scheduled for April 30th. So this is not going to move quick. And in the meantime, as everyone knows, the NHL players are still on leave of absence. They are receiving their pay. But we learned yesterday that Those three NHL teams, the Devils, Flyers, and Flames, have received salary cap relief. They could already replace them on the roster. Now they've got the cap relief to do so. And for guys that have their contracts that end this season, unless they make a move to end their leave of absence, at which time it would force the NHL and or its teams to act, we may have seen the last of these players in the NHL this season.
0: Yeah, and I know we had a question similar to that in the YouTube chat there. Some people were wondering about the cap hits as well. I saw some weird backlash to the league saying, why are you excusing the cap hits, blah, blah, blah. I mean, it's not the team's fault, really. Like, I understand where the league is coming from with this.
3: Yes and no. I would say that some of these players were signed after uh, there was information out there about and the reporting in 2022 from Rick Westhead and others Uh, That really shed a lot of light on the scenario. No one knew exactly who was involved, but I think some teams did take the risk to sign these players and or acquire them knowing that they may ultimately be connected to this case.
0: Fair enough. All right, we will set that aside for now. Again, that full article up at dailyfaceoff.com, the FAQs from the London Police Press Conference about that 2018 World Junior Team. Frank on the ice last night, but not on the ice in the NHL. Out in the Boston area, it was Macklin Celebrini stealing the show as the beanpot got kicked off. Honestly, like up in Canada, this... A lot of people don't consider the bean pot a significant thing. A lot of casual, even a lot of dire hockey fans wouldn't even know it's happening. But just give me some context. This is a massive deal in the college.
3: Well, it's really just a massive deal in Boston that you've got the four teams that are in town facing off against each other. Uh, they play the two games at TD Garden, and then the the championship, of course, um, also there as well. So next week, um, you know, you'll see Macklin Celebrini again, and we we have to point out this goal that he scored last night because it was just next level, and you know, just perfectly placed the power um the celebration also the post game or intermission interview for celebrini as well was off the charts this guy look this first off the elect the atmosphere in td garden is absolutely electric you see the reaction from the bu faithful um what we're dealing with here is a slam dunk number one overall pick in june's draft and there were a number of NHL GMs that were in the building last night for the game. And and I was messaging one of them and I said, how good is Celebrini compared to Bedard? And the answer that I got was probably a notch below Bedard. But if Celebrini was part of the class that included Fantilli and Leo Carlson that they'd probably have Celebrini above those two guys. So if you've watched Leo Carlson at all this season, it's been a bit of a tougher start in the NHL for Fantilli, but still impressive to put Celebrini a notch above those two guys. And in between Bedard kind of gives you some indication of uh, how special this kid is.
0: Gavin, could we quickly roll that intermission interview? I want to take a listen in on this because I loved it. Was
1: planned. um
2: we knew uh, what we need to do and I, I thought was, us as a whole we fucking
3: bounced <laughs> for sure and you watch you goddamn right you watch <laughs> <the home today's- laughs> it's ryan whitney that you hear by the way in the background
0: yeah a little, a little f-bomb on the intermission interview i like it a little bit of personality flares though and i love the the title of our show frank Slackin' for macklin as far as draft slogans go that's right up there with fall for hall fail for nail
3: Yes, lacking for Macklin is outstanding. It's elite. Uh, By the way, go over to dailyfaceoff.com and in the top menu bar, we've got the draft lottery odds. The Chicago Blackhawks are in the lead right now. The San Jose Sharks have been pretty good since Logan Couture returned. So keep an eye on the draft lottery standings. You can only win the number one overall pick twice in a span of five years. The Blackhawks did it once last year with Bedard. They can do it again. And so think about what a boost that would be, by the way, some news today, the Blackhawks, the Bedard effect going to be hosting the 2025 winter classic at Wrigley Field against the St. Louis Blues. Can you imagine if Macklin Celebrini is also in the lineup for the Hawks?
0: Yeah, that'd be uh, quite something. There is no one we trust more when it comes to prospects than Stephen Ellis. He's in the chat right now, actually, Frank, he says 100 percent celebrini number two last year uh steven's going to be joining us a little bit later on in the week with another edition of the next wave let's turn our attention to the ice in the nhl last night frank a couple of teams making their return from the all-star break and it was a big matchup between the new york rangers and the colorado avalanche a couple of teams with stanley cup aspirations and even though igor shesterkin was one of the rangers representatives at the all-star game he didn't get the start coming out of the break instead it's Jonathan quick's crease all of the sudden and boy, did he deliver stopping 32 of 33, a perfect three for three when the Rangers were shorthanded and they walk away with a two, one win over the Avs. a goalie controversy, Frank can sometimes be a curse. It can sometimes be a blessing. And for the Rangers, I think if you would have shown the stats right now of Jonathan quick to Chris Drury at the start of the year, he would have said, that's excellent. We're, 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 loving it. Now, if you would have said he's the starter because Igor Shesterkin is below a 900, might have said, oh boy, that's not going all that well. But what do you make of this, I guess, goaltending controversy in New York?
3: Yeah, if you would have shown me these stats before the season started, my head would have exploded. There's, I would have said, surely we messed up somewhere with the graphic and these two guys should be flipped, right? I mean, look at the way Quick has played. Shesterkin has been all or nothing. He's got 18 games this year with a 900 save percentage or better. They're 18 and 0 in those games. But the problem is he's got seven or eight games where he's below 800 and it makes no sense for one of clearly the most talented goalies in the league and also one of the hardest working. He hasn't been able to get out of his own way. And now you're starting to hear the calls from Rangers fans saying, hey, wait a second here. Quick's playing so well. Let's just ride this guy for a bit. And I thought it was really interesting to hear the thoughts of uh, Steve Valliquette, former Rangers goalie, who is an MSG analyst, who said on the post game show last night, Look, he's. I'd go with quick for the time being. Let Igor try and find his game. And he said, basically, what's happened here is they tried to give Shesterkin a two week run where quick didn't play at all. And that wasn't able to jumpstart him. So now maybe it's time to take away some ice time to see if you can have him, you know, get to that reset necessary at some point in season for a guy that. It's not like he's been awful, but there's such a clear disparity right now between how well Quick is playing and what Shesterkin is at that maybe it's time to make a change.
0: And you want to get that right now, and you don't want to be worrying about it in the last two weeks of the regular season. You need Shesterkin to be at his best when the playoffs start. Like The Rangers are going to get in. They're in all likelihood going to have home ice. It's right now about them making sure they are A-plus top of their game for night one of the Stanley Cup playoffs. And I know there's still a lot of hockey left. In the season but i don't see a problem at all with giving Chesterkin 10 more days off saying figure out your stuff we can trust jonathan quick in the meantime frank uh we quick, are
3: quick shout out to, by the way to our guy johnny lazarus who was at the game last night and asked peter laviolette about how nathan mckinnon picked apart all five guys on the rangers four check uh you know they had set back in a one three one and he went through the whole thing and laviolette put the blame on himself he also has a story up today on dailyfaceoff.com talking with kale mccarr and devon taves on what makes them such a special pair for the avs so lots coming off of that uh, rangers Avs game last night all
0: right like i said we're gonna get to sat in a couple of minutes here we're running a bit behind but our deadline countdown article today frank is all about the sellers our pal stephen ellis handled it today over at dailyfaceoff.com and i want to start with the team he mentioned first number one the Philadelphia Flyers, and you look, they're 25, 19, and 6, and we have them with the label of the number one seller, but is this the direction things are trending in Philly?
3: Yes, and John Tortorella gave us the warning a few weeks ago. Flyers fans aren't going to like this because of the position that this team had been in for most of the season, but I think they have to remain true to themselves that some surprising results this season can't confuse them with being an authentic threat in the playoffs. That's not going to happen, especially not after removing Carter Hart from this team. And they have some valuable pieces that they can move. Sean Walker, they're trying to get a first round pick in return for him on defense. He's going to be our story on dailyfaceoff.com tomorrow with the trade deadline uh, countdown series. I think the big question is Travis connect You could make the argument for as well as he's played, that he is his value is never going to be higher to someone else than it is right at this exact moment in time for the Flyers. But then the big thing is, how do you cut the legs off of your team that have played like they earned a chance to at least try and compete for a playoff spot with where Konechny is and how valuable he is?
0: Yeah, Uh, just quickly to wrap up this one, a couple of the other teams, I'll call them the Rebuilders, the Sharks, the Blue Jackets, and the Ducks. Out of these three, which one has the most attractive set of assets to sell off?
3: Well, it's definitely not the Sharks. (laughs) No. it's Um, It's probably not the Ducks. Henrique is interesting. Unless you're trying to move Cam Fowler and i'd probably lean toward the blue jackets like i think there'd be lots of interest in boone jenner jack roslavik is an intriguing guy if if you know sort of an enigma in today's nhl not really a believer in bokevist or peak one of those guys is heading toward a buyout elvis merzlikens needs a change of scenery but has too much term and dollars maybe you can find someone that's interested in tessier but i don't know um Maybe the Blue Jackets have the most intriguing assets of the three.
0: Yeah. Slim pickings though, and that might yeah. be the theme of this year's NHL. Trade deadline. Everyday daily face off, a new deadline themed article up on the site. We are running behind, so let's get into the all thirty-two with Sat Shaw. As always, the All32 is delivered by DoorDash for a limited time. Our Canadian listeners can get 25% off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more. All you need to do is download the DoorDash app and enter the promo code NATION25. Sat Shaw back on the program. Always a pleasure to have you on, Sat. And tonight, it's a big night for Canucks fans. They're excited to get their eyes on Elias Lindholm. So maybe let's just start this off with, why was this the guy the Canucks it was worth paying that high price for and where do you see him fitting in with this lineup
2: well first of all always a pleasure thanks for having me on the show guys but uh i would say he's a perfect fit because he's the type of player that can play in every single situation for the canucks power play pk matchup role you want where well, you, you want to have him out for the final minute trying to tie the game you want to have him out the final minute to try to uh hold on to a lead, whatever the situation is, he can play in that spot. He's a right-handed centerman. He can win draws. He can play wing. This is a team that likes to have versatility. Out of all the players available on the trade market, he best fit the Canucks' needs. And the Canucks in almost every facet of the game have been outstanding this season. One area where they've struggled to some extent has been the PK. He's going to help in that role. And as good as the Canucks have been so far this year, they don't truly have a matchup line. JT Miller's done fantastic in that role. Teddy Bluger, Garland, and Joshua have really come along as a third line. Not really a de facto you know matchup line. Now you pretty much have a player that can play in any situation that you need. And for a team that had a couple of needs in a matchup role and also on the PK, I think he fits in perfectly. And I haven't even mentioned... Maybe the the best part of this move is he can find some chemistry with Elias Pedersen and finally create a duo on that second line, which has been lacking ever since Andre Kuzmenko lost his scoring touch.
3: Yeah. And I think what's so fascinating about Lindholm, even if he's on the wing, sad, is that he's proven in Calgary that if you put him with really talented players, he can pile up the points. So that's, you know, even, you know, to then move him back to center at some point, you always have that in your back pocket if you're Rick Tockett. But I wanted to ask you about. Really, the mindset of this team coming out of the break, because you you heard Rick Talkett talk about the idea of they have to stay hungry. That yeah. because this team has played as well as they have, a lot of people are talking about them. They go out and make this big splash. Is that in your mind the biggest hurdle that this team needs to get over over these next few weeks? Is basically not listening to and or hearing all the things that they've earned for themselves.
2: I do think that's a big part of it. I think naturally, too, when you have a lot of success and things go well, you, you, there's maybe this feeling of, OK, we've arrived. You kind of ease off a little bit. And I think he's he's really trying to guard against those things. One of the things about talking, to, which I've been so impressed by, is he has a real emotional awareness about where his team's at and what needs to get done. And he knows which buttons to push. And over the course of a long season, especially for teams that maybe haven't had the success, it might be easy to kind of get lulled into this false sense of security. Like, hey, we got this figured out. And I do think he's really worried about that. Getting a new, fresh player in should bring everybody's attention. They should be focused on, you know, okay, like we got to make sure we get this guy integrated well. We got to make sure we find the chemistry again. And maybe the most encouraging part about uh, where the players were at and something talking alluded to the other day, he gave the option to the guys that were at the All-Star game to take the day off on Monday and say, hey, if you guys want, or Sunday, take the day off on Sunday just come and join us on Monday. Each one of those guys said, no, you're crazy. We're going to be there on, on Monday, on Sunday, we're going to be skating. We need to get, get back going again. So there seems to be this real ownership by the group, especially the leaders, to truly you know focus in on what needs to be done. And for an organization that has been so bad over the past decade really where the losing was contagious it seems like finally they got to a point where the winning is contagious but you're right i think uh talk it's been around teams before he knows how easy it is for you to lose your edge so i do think right now with how the team is going and adding basically um a player that can fit most of your weaknesses and, and really cover over a lot of your issues the biggest issue is probably feeling like okay we've arrived like we're good now and that's the thing that I'm somewhat concerned about, but everything they've done so far this year is show that they're ready to play and be professional. So I'm hoping that continues because the last thing we want to do is talk about, hey, the final 30 games went the other way for the Canucks instead of continuing their good, good run. Yeah, and I mean, it's
0: at the point where you have banked so many points even if a stretch doesn't go your way, you've built up so much wiggle room, specifically at the top of the Pacific Division. Uh, they made the move for Lafferty earlier in the year. They went out and got Zadarov earlier in the year. Now they do this big splash. This is not a front office that likes to sit on their hands. If you were in the, If you were in their position, where else could you see them maybe adding?
2: Well, I, I, I mean, hey, in an ideal world, if you want to build out the perfect roster or at least have a, as close to a flawless roster as you can have, I'd love to see them add a right-handed top four defenseman, and then all of a sudden their top, their defense is completely set. And I think they can still use a top six left winger that can really forecheck. If you look at how the lineup may shake out right now, McCabe with Pedersen and Lindholm, there's a bit of a question of who's going to play with uh, JT Miller and Brock Bester. Right now, Pew Suter's done a good job filling in that spot. But he's not the fastest guy. He's not the biggest guy. I wonder if he can forecheck consistently enough to play there. I like him better playing down the middle. I'd like to see them at a top six kind of gritty forechecking winger that can play with JT and Besser, or perhaps even play with Pedersen and Lindholm if they want to move Mikaev. I could really see them using another forechecking top six wing. Hey, maybe that's easier said than done. But I think it's they're able, is that Connor to add, Garland? I, you know, the thing with Garland is he's a—he's really good at doing those things, but he's very puck dominant. And one of the things about him is when he has his own line to run, I think he's kind of the focal point and he's the real playmaker and he's done a fantastic job with and and with Dakota Joshua. The one issue he's had when he's played with JT and Miller, JT and Pedersen in the past, he's very puck dominant. Those guys also need to have the puck on their stick a lot. It just doesn't quite work out chemistry-wise. He does a lot of good things, but I'd like to see somebody that's quicker to get, get the puck and get it to those guys and get to the dirty areas a bit faster. Garland's fantastic. I think he needs to be more of a focal point. So that's one thing I wonder about. I wouldn't be surprised, old Frank, that we see Garland get a shot playing in the top six. But I I could see this team really using a straight ahead for checking winger with speed. That's more of a
0: facilitator for the top end guys on the line. Fantastic insight as always. Always a pleasure catching up with you, Sat. Thanks for doing this. Anytime, boys. Thank you. That was Shaw. You can find his work with Sportsnet 650 in Vancouver. Let's move along to our daily face-off inbox question. Hashtag AskDFO. And today it is brought to you by Tourism Jasper. Jasper in January is over, but it is always a good time to head out to the Rockies. It is prime skiing condition. But even if you're not a skier, there's nothing better than a weekend in Jasper. Find out everything they got going on at Jasper.travel. Frank, your AskDFO question. You talked about the Winter Classic going back to Chicago, going back to Wrigley Field For the second time as well, we had a Blues fan in the chat who goes by the Dirty Laundry Game Worn Hockey Podcast. What a name. Uh, They said, as a Blues fan with so many other teams available, why the Blues and Hawks for another winter classic or outdoor game? Is it simply Bedard?
3: It is simply Bedard, and I'm with you. Like, First off, no offense to his Blues, but they're also not a marquee draw right now with where they're at in trying to build back into being a Stanley Cup contender, the Blackhawks have so much to build around Bedard. They're not close. Like they're two years away from that. So to put, I get the idea of putting Bedard on center stage because look, let's face it, Chicago is a huge market, Wrigley Field is iconic, and you're dealing with a rabid fan base that has been sucked back in with the play of Bedard this year and rightfully so. But I just think there's new ground to to till up somewhere else. And the fact that, you know, Vegas and Seattle didn't draw well last year on TV viewers, that it's that's probably why there was a pivot back to the big markets.
0: Yeah. Fair enough. You mentioned the TV ratings this year. It's easy, right? It's just a layup for them to throw Chicago in it, and boom, it does well on TV, and the game's electric. And with a venue like Wrigley, it's hard to argue against it, I guess. Connor Bedard getting into an outdoor game in his second season in the league. Uh, Let's move along to our Botano daily bets for the day. The game starts now at botano.ca. A couple of plays for you here on a Tuesday night, chasing the juice a little bit. The Dallas Stars are taking on the Buffalo Sabres. The Dallas Stars have been a very good road team so far this season. On the road this year, they are 14-5-4. They've won three in a row with seven wins in their last ten. They were hot heading into the break. The Buffalo Sabres, while they were heating up a little with back-to-back wins, they are below five hundred on home ice this season. So the fact that it's a home underdog, you know, the odds are a little bit closer than maybe I would have thought Almost plus 160 on the Stars puck line. That's where I'm going tonight. I think Dallas can win by two or more. Very juicy. Uh, We also have a shot prop parlay. Like, you know I like to do this. First one since coming out of the break. Noah Hannafin was on a run of six straight games where he had hit this mark for the Calgary Flames. It was snapped the last game before the break. I like him to bounce back tonight. Morgan Frost hit it in his last five games before the All-Star break and has hit this number in eight of his last ten. I don't mind Morgan Frost as a straight-up play at minus 143 either but the parlay at plus 167. That's where I'm going tonight. So a couple of plays on a Tuesday slate over at Botano.ca. And that brings us to garbage time. Frank, brought to you by Wendy's in the Daily Face-Off Survivor Pool. There are just 79 people left of the 463. And this is what you have to choose from tonight over at Daily DailyFaceOffSurvivor.com. What, what stands out there? Oh, can't fade Colorado in their power play. I would take I would Sam, Sam Ryan. Oh, Sam Reinhardt to score. I don't mind Dallas over three and a half goals either going up against the Sabres. Like I said, I think I like them to cover the puck line. Either way, if you're a loser in the game, you can be a winner at lunchtime with the bacon portobello mushroom melt. Get it today with Wendy's or by downloading the Wendy's app. Frank, what do you got for garbage time?
3: Some, Some fascinating, fascinating quotes from Patrick Wall in their, in their game. game right? Right? Uh, that Matt Marzell right? jump into the fight. Let's see what Patrick Wall had to say
4: he is he's a leader on this team i mean leader you know always take care of your their teammates i mean in life you have a chance you could be an eagle or duck he was an eagle there
0: that that is uh that is good stuff from patrick why the, the league is better now with him in and giving us sound bites like that frank that was uh that was really good
3: yeah i apologize for the echo i don't know why i'm echoing on my own end too but it kind of reminded me of that scene from Big Daddy when he's like, lamb and together like lamb and tuna fish. Like, what, is, what kind of analogy is this? And maybe that's sort of Patrick Waugh's French uh, coming through. But either way, i love to see the, uh, the eagle has landed, so to speak, uh, in New York. Yeah,
0: give me more Patrick Waugh quotes in 2024. Uh, that is a wrap on today's edition of the show. A big shout out to everyone in the YouTube. If you haven't hit the subscribe button yet, Make sure you go do that. Maybe we can be at 10K by the time the show starts tomorrow. Sat Shaw from Sportsnet for Swingin' by Wendy's, Botano, and Tourism Jasper. That's a wrap on a Tuesday edition. We'll be back tomorrow at noon Eastern. Chat with you then.
4: Thanks for tuning in to Daily Face Off Live.
1: Make
2: sure you hit the subscribe button to never miss an episode.